Life becomes more complex. There are, there are more things for you to balance. There are more things for you to juggle. This is not sin. This is not wrong. It's just complex. And Paul, he wants to spare people from the complexities of life in an already complicated world, a world that has been complicated by human sin and the selfishness of others' desires. As many of you know, I uh, resigned as the pastor of the church at Sunsites yesterday, and uh, I have been asked by a few to continue through a series through 1 Corinthians anyway, uh, and Revelation and Matthew's Gospel, so I uh, will continue through these books on this platform. Uh, I am moving on to a different sort of ministry uh, where I will promote others, uh, establish uh, other local churches across Cochise County and around the world uh, devote my time to training up leaders, to promoting other ministries. Uh, so uh, please pray for me in this uh, new opportunity that God has given, uh, which is the result of just the last 10 years of, of work that I have that I have done. So please pray for me. Uh, please pray for um, the the planting, the healthy planting of reformed churches uh, in Cochise County and across the United States and around the world. Uh, pray for those who labor with me in this and pray for all those we are training up. The world is in desperate need of healthy churches with sound doctrine and biblical church polity. And so we will be working to establish those things through training um, and through just the exposition of Scripture, because the just the basic exposition of Scripture really is uh, the the most beneficial training we can receive for all of life and ministry, because Scripture is sufficient for all of life and ministry. That being said, I, I want to continue through First Corinthians with you. First Corinthians. Chapter 7, verses 25 through 28 is where we are at. In 1 Corinthians so far, uh, Paul has been writing in order to encourage unity in the local church at Corinth. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians, uh, unity comes by maturity. Uh, maturity comes in contentment, and that's what chapter 7 is all about. Paul is admonishing the church in Corinth because the church in Corinth is being divisive, drawing denominational lines, being accusatory, being offended by everything that is being said, rather than practicing church discipline and dealing with sin and sitting at Christ's feet and learning from Christ. And Paul's current admonition is toward contentment, being content in life. And he has dealt with contentment in three areas, relationships, and religion and socioeconomic status. And he continues here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 through 28. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? 
do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life. And I am trying to spare you. Now, Paul has dealt with marriage already in chapter 7 in this section of his letter. But the marriage he already addressed was remarriage. Now he is addressing the, the status of, of virginity, those who have not been married. And this confirms our interpretation of the previous uh, parts of this section in, in Paul's letter, um, that Paul himself is a widower. Uh, he desires that other widows and widowers be as he is, being content in their lives and not too eager to remarry, uh, not lustful, but just being content. Now he addresses a different group of people, a group of which he is not a part, uh, that of those who are un, unmarried, never married, um, virgins. And the fact that he calls those who are never married virgins uses this uh, language to equate the two means that uh, his assumption, the cultural assumption there, is that sex is something that belongs in the context of marriage alone, that the consummation of marriage is is an act of married people and that sex outside of marriage is it's not a valid expression of sexuality according to the gospel so we see that here paul writes verse 25 now concerning virgins those who are never married and therefore it is assumed that they haven't had intimate relationships now concerning virgins i have no command of the lord the Bible, according to Paul, the Bible doesn't give you any explicit commands. You do not have to remain unmarried. You do not have to get married. Uh, this is a liberty that God has given those who have never been married. There is no instruction from the Lord. There is no biblical instruction. Now here, we see Paul's dedication to biblical instruction, right? Uh, his, his belief that scripture is sufficient and that the Bible has one meaning in everything that it says, that it is not to be departed from, that no, you can't read the Bible and say, I think it means this and I think it means this and hold two contradictory beliefs and say the Bible means both of those things because the Bible quite literally means what it means. Paul, he has no command of the Lord. He has searched the scriptures. He knows the Old Testament and he's writing and he's applying the Old Testament scriptures to the Corinthian church. And he says, there is nothing there for you. There are groups of people, at least there have been historically, according to the Bible, that the Bible doesn't address explicitly. There is no explicit instruction for some of the things we want to do in this life or some of the answers we are looking for sometimes there is no command from the lord such as the case when we are voting in american politics there is no command from the lord he doesn't instruct us to vote republican he does not instruct us to vote democrat he doesn't instruct us to identify as either liberal or conservative according to the politics of the world there there is nothing from god on that front Yet, many people pretend that there 
is. And the same is true with some other things, I'm sure, but it's going to be different for everybody. Uh, there are questions we have that are not addressed in the Bible. Paul continues, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion. He gives an opinion. So, it is okay then for people to give an opinion about things that are not explicit in Scripture, either the Old or New Testaments. Paul gives an opinion, but he gives an opinion not just as someone who has an opinion, not just as someone who has a preference, not just as someone who has some philosophical thoughts of his own. No, he gives an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. What does it mean for someone to be trustworthy? In the context of this verse, uh, it means a dedication to Scripture alone, a dedication to the sufficiency of Scripture, a dedication to the authority of Scripture, a dedication to discern what the Scriptures mean because he recognizes that there is no command from the Lord. So he is looking to the Bible for an answer, and there's not one. But he gives an opinion as one who is trustworthy, as one who knows his Bible, as one who knows the word that the Lord has given, as one who knows the commands of the Lord, and he offers his opinion, which he believes to be in line with biblical principles. So for one to be trustworthy, he knows the Bible, or she knows the Bible, and gives advice, they give their opinion in line with biblical principles, because God's word is the only real, true, trustworthy word, and the philosophies of men are not trustworthy, the desires of human hearts are not trustworthy scripture says that our hearts are only wicked all the time without being regenerated without having the law of god written upon them Uh, so so if anyone follows his own desires own preferences that person can't be trusted because he will always do what is in line with his own desires and his own preferences and his own philosophies his own heart and his own mind but those who know the word of the lord who have who have given their time to sit at Jesus' feet and learn from Jesus, and they believe Scripture is all-sufficient, they believe it means what it means, and they try to give advice in line with Scripture. These are people who are trustworthy. Verse 26, I think then, remember, this, this isn't explicit biblical material that Paul has given. Well, I mean, it is now because we have 1 Corinthians and it is, it is scripture for us. But Paul, he's talking about the Old Testament. I, I think this isn't in the Old Testament. So I think this is good in view of the present distress. Um, Paul is about to give advice to virgins, those who are never married. And he's giving this advice based on Old Testament instruction Uh, particularly instruction toward contentment in this life. And he's given it in in light of the present distress. Like, the advice that I'm about to give you, this is good advice because the world is in a distressed state. The world is at a breaking point. This this is in the first century. It kind of sounds like what's going on in the world today, doesn't it? There is much distress in the world. In the first century, there there was much persecution and much death and much disease and rising prices and uh, government trying to take more control of the world, particularly of the Jewish people and Roman provinces. Um, There was 
uh, cult worship. There were false churches. There were false gospels. There was Gnosticism. There were the Judaizers. All, all of this stuff all around and swirling up distress in the world. Every, everybody by worldly ways trying to cure what they see as problems in the world, but only ever making things Worse, All of these distresses being stirred up. We see many of the same things in the world today. We see distress politically. We see distress in our personal relationships. We experience distress in local churches. Uh, We experience distress when it comes to financial standing status, uh, our social status in the world today and our economic status in the world today. We experience distress because the world piles on burdens and burdens and burdens and burdens and burdens. And worldly people through through accusation and through name-calling and bickering and... Uh, through uh, the chasing after of their own desires, like we saw in the previous sermon, um, those who pursue their own desires stir up trouble, stir up conflict. They sow discord and and they are divisive. Uh, Even if they claim to be striving for unity and encouragement, they are accomplishing exactly the opposite, according to Paul here in First Corinthians. So he says, I think then this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is, never married, never married. And here we just consider all of the burdens that the world puts on us. We consider all the distress of this life. If we are in distress, uh, we've learned that it's likely a result of our malcontent. And we consider Jesus' words in his invitation into the gospel. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So come, sit at my feet and learn from me. That's the invitation. Come sit at my feet and learn from me. And so many people skip that and wonder why their Christian life feels just like they're their old life or why there are just as many distresses because they just choose not to come sit at Christ's feet and learn from him, not to learn their Bibles, not to learn the deep things of scripture. And they jump to being teachers, even though they, they know not the things about which they insist and they, they see not their, their heresy and they see not their hypocrisy. It is good for a man to remain as he is. It is good for a man to be content. Uh, In this case, never married. Before, those who lost a spouse to remain single, not remarrying. For slaves to remain slaves if they don't have an obvious opportunity to to remove themselves from that context. Um, for, For men and women to remain as they are, not lusting. Um, It is good for people to remain as they are, to be content. Why? Christ has invited us to sit at his feet and learn from him, to learn his word, what it means, um, what he means by what he says, and not not to twist it. That's what he has invited us into before anything else that is the priority he gives us and you can see that in Matthew 11 
verses 28 through 30. Verse 27, Paul clarifies and broadens his application. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Again, repeating his instruction toward those who are married. Don't seek to be released from your marriage. Be content. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. This is all about contentment here. Verse 28, but if you marry, you have not sinned. Why? Because there is no command of the, from the Lord about this. We do not call sin what the, Bible call, what the Bible does not call sin. No, we only call sin what the Bible calls sin. And everything else, is, you don't hold it against people. We give your advice, like I think this is wise, I think this is prudent, but you don't hold what is not sin against people. If, if we are just offended, which Paul has already gotten at in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if we are merely offended by something, that's not a reason to hold anything against anybody. That, that means... That means there's something going on with my sensibilities and the way that I perceive something and and maybe my malcontent, which is sin, according to Scripture. Paul says, but if you marry, you have not sinned. I'm not going to call a sin what the Bible does not call a sin. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. What sort of trouble? Well, with, with marriage comes complexity in life and you have to focus on other you have to give your time to a to a wife and a child instead of to other things no matter how much people want you to focus on other things now you have responsibilities now you have a family you must divide your attention and you must give your wife and your children part of your self you must do that life becomes more complex there there are more things for you to balance there are more things for you to juggle this is not sin this is not wrong it's just complex and paul he wants to spare people from the complexities of life in an already complicated world a world that has been complicated by human sin and the selfishness of others desires um, I have I have given up much so that I can maintain a good marriage and so that I can be a good father such was necessary in this world because the world complicates things unnecessarily and so we give up what is complicated given to us by the world so that we can serve Christ well and so we can serve others well, and so that we can prioritize things in a godly manner. But Paul, he wants to spare those who have never been married from the complicatedness of, of the world, so that the world doesn't have the opportunity to pile on as many burdens as it does Otherwise, well, actually, the world will, will pile on just as many burdens, won't it? Um, and we cannot deal with those burdens or put up with those burdens if we are dividing our attention to wife and to, to family. And Paul wants to spare people from this. This is not for everybody. Um, not everybody can remain single and not sin because people are lustful, right? Paul has already gotten at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so God has marriage for some, and he has singleness for some, in many different contexts. 
And those people will be able to serve uh, to varying degrees according to the complexities of their lives. But we do not call sin what isn't sin. It is not sin to have a complex life. It is not sin to have a simple life. Though it is good, wise, to strive for simplicity in life, to be content, not to chase our own desires, to trust God to lead Christians to do what he wants them to do, not to hold people to our standards, but instead to Christ's, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light, Uh, not to always try to have things our way, but instead to be living sacrifices, to deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow Jesus, whatever he is calling us to do in whatever circumstances to be content. When we are born into this world, when we are children, everything we do is about getting what we want. We cry to get milk. When we get older, we cry to get solid food. When we are older, we throw tantrums because we don't get to play when we want to play and we don't get to go where we want to go. That is what it means to be a child to be concerned about preference. When we grow into adults, we learn to work for our bread, to take care of family, to deny ourselves according, according to the, the standards of the world, to seek others' good, to raise children up. That is growing into adulthood in this world. And many think that Growing into spiritual maturity, spiritual adulthood is different. When we come to Christ, when we are infants in the faith, baby bottle Christianity, right? We feel a need to have our preferences met. We feel a need to have our ears tickled. We feel a need to only ever be encouraged. We feel a a need to reject all forms of admonishment. That's what babies do in the world. That's what spiritual infants do. Um, because we like our sin. And when we, don't, we don't want to grow up. But when we grow up in the faith, when we become mature in the faith, when we become complete in the faith, which is Paul's whole purpose of writing 1 Corinthians, so that people are made complete, so that God, who began a good work in them, will, will bring them to completion through this admonishing in 1 Corinthians, so that God will make them complete. And through a growing into maturity, into a denial of self and a proper reception of uh, his ad- admonishment, he... He tells them it's time to deny yourself, stop causing conflict, stop pursuing your own desires. Being being spiritually mature, it parallels being being physically mature, growing into adulthood, almost as if God designed life like that on purpose to be a picture of us growing up spiritually. Um, And malcontents, that's a sign of either spiritual infantism, baby bottle faith, or just the fact that we have not been born again. 
So we are spiritually selfish in everything that we do. But as we are matured, is facilitated by and produces greater degrees of contentment so that we are concerned more about serving others, more about giving ourselves to others, less about our preferences and our speech and our expectations and our exaltation and our, and our ministries and our work and our whatever it is. We, we just want to serve people more and more. And Jesus Christ set the example. He came as a suffering servant. He came to give his life for others. He was not concerned about his own preferences, but simply spoke the words of the Father and and did the will of the Father who is in, in heaven. And we can talk about the, the Trinitarian implications there at a later time, because this text isn't about that. But he set the example, and Paul now is admonishing the church toward this sort of contentment. And contentment, contentment breeds happiness, contentment breeds joy, and contentment, just, it, it causes us to be a benefit to others, to build others up rather than tear others down according to our own preferences and our own desires. And man, that is a good, good, good place.